0: Hey, so welcome to this conversation. I've got a special guest with me today, and her name is Tracy Evans. Tracy, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Hey, thank you, Andy. Good to be with you again.
0: Yeah, and um, the why. This is about supernatural courage. It's actually about the power of God. So what I know is that one thing that changes any environment is literally the power of God. changes hearts, changes lives, heals bodies, changes cultures. And I'm on this pursuit of seeing more of that in my life. So I was thinking, who do I know that walks this out authentically? And uh, if you've never heard about Tracy, uh, she's uh, got this book, a story, Outrageous Courage. You can find that. We're going to give you some details to find out more. But she's a Stanford-trained physician's assistant. She has worked in multiple countries, uh, military background as well, and does a phenomenal work in Mozambique. So Tracy, thank you so much. I'm excited for these conversations that we're going to have, but tell us a little about you uh, just in terms of a snapshot of uh, what it is that you do and then the journey to get to doing what you do.
1: Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you, Andy. Um, Well, I'm I've been a missionary for about 40 years now in both Asia and Africa. Uh, I'm the founder and director of I REACH Africa and Africa 180 and the director of Tariro. These ministries are all in Mozambique presently, and, and we focus on a variety of humanitarian endeavors, such as medical, public health, nutrition, education, uh, as well as adult vocational training, and, and these programs are infused with evangelism and discipleship, uh, the aim being to make God real and even tangible to people, to make God relevant to, uh, to who they are and, and their life issues.
0: So how, before I actually ask that question, tell me some of the results. Like um, we, we're talking with business people, give us, so this has been now, When this is not new, this has been over two decades in yes. Mozambique let alone all the other countries that you've been serving. You're involved at every level from the prisoners through to the government. You, But you've been doing this consistently for two over two decades. Tell us yes. some of the results.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, I, I, Andy, I think I landed with my butt in a butter, as you said. <laughs> as you said, I've worked in many countries and communist countries, Muslim countries, closed countries where you labor and labor for, for such little fruit. Uh, And just like we have seasons in our lives, uh, countries have seasons too. And so I just went to Bethel, like, I'm sorry, Mozambique about 22, 23 years ago on a two week short-term outreach. And it was just recovering from 16 years of a brutal civil war. And before that, 450 years of colonialism. And before that, hundreds of years of the Arabic slave trade it was declared by the World Bank to be the poorest country in the world. And so I get there and, then, and there's something about hardships that humbles us and, and, and makes the heart cry out for God. So when I saw how, how humble and receptive the people were, I stayed. And that was like, oh, 22, 23 years ago now. And uh, it's just a delight to work uh, with a people that are so, teachable and receptive and responsive. And also they have a supernatural worldview. So we don't have to entertain all those discussions about uh, science or the natural realm. They know there's a supernatural realm. They see it and experience it daily. So they're, they're very open to that, which makes it uh, a lot easier to work in, in a country like Mozambique.
0: So so you you've ducked the question though, because my question was, Tell me the results.
1: Well, because so, I know this.
0: Tell yeah. me some of the the numbers.
1: Saved lives, saved souls. Yep. And um, uh, one of the issues with the poverty is there there's so many uh, people perishing uh, from starvation, from malaria, from HIV, from just every tropical uh, illness and woe that you can imagine. And um, so initially we were quite busy in just disaster relief and and trying to keep people alive long enough so they could get saved. But then it just took off and village after village started just uh, responding to the Lord. This one village where I was living, it was a a Muslim. And we started a a clinic and a small clinic and and just a preschool in the village to basically give them opportunity to get to know us, to know our hearts, to build rapport and relationship. We weren't going to really say much about about Jesus for a year because we were busy building a clinic, building a school, just learning the language ourselves. Meanwhile, right next door, the property next door, they were building a mosque. (laughs) And and, uh, so we opened our preschool and kindergartners and we have like four year olds to seven year olds in, in that program. And uh, we were teaching them about praying for the sick and and just how God is real and active in our lives. And they would go home and pray for sick mom, for example, and she would get saved and the household would get saved. Within a year, uh, the village came to Christ. I think there's only four or five guys left that that hadn't. They built the mosque, but no one was going there. Because the whole village turned to Christ before we even started with uh, active evangelism discipleship programs.
0: So that was just the children training the children. Yes. So you do, you, you're in prisons, uh, you have medical clinics, uh, there's churches planted, there's government leadership training. So tell me just some of the, the statistics, like how many lives, cha- it's like literally okay. kept alive? How many orphans or, are you well, serving?
1: Okay for our clinic, and it's a baby clinic, Andy, because uh, the the critical need at the time uh, was saving orphan infants. When the moms died, they would bury the baby with the mom because there was no other source of milk. Mother's milk was it. There aren't grocery stores or milking cows around. And so we started importing uh, powdered milk and formula from South Africa. And that program just grew uh, into the hundreds overnight. We didn't start an orphanage because kids that grow up in orphanages, they're, they're institutionalized, Yeah, uh, they're disconnected from their, their tribal identity and their language. And uh, so we would have a family member adopt that child, come once a week to our clinic, and then we would pray for them and invest in that caregiver and in the baby. And some of the caregivers were old grannies or like 12 year old sisters, both parents are dead and she's the head of the household. And uh, so we just got involved in their life and then we would go do house visits uh, to their their little homes out in in the bush and shoot I stopped counting about three years ago, but as of then we had well over we have saved over 7000 orphan infants. (laughs) From about 47 villages around us and in every village we save a child uh, they're now open and receptive to uh, the gospel.
0: So, how many pounds of milk powder is that a year? Oh,
1: my tons. Uh, tons. Boy, I, I don't even know because our numbers keep changing and the price keeps changing. Okay. And uh, but we feed, we keep the babies on the program for two years. If they're yeah. healthy, then we discharge them, we graduate them. That gives us two years of input into that family's life. And, and so if, if they're sick, if they have HIV or they're handicapped, we just keep them on the program.
0: Yes, and through what you've done, so 47 villages, you stopped counting at 7,000 infants three years ago.
1: Yeah, so it's it's well over 8,000 by now. But then the babies that are really local, walking distance, uh, as they grow up, then we started preschools and kindergartens.
0: Okay, so how many preschools and kindergartens now?
1: uh, We have a preschool and kindergarten right next door to the first clinic, and that was the Muslim village. And then we go, well, let it was so effective. We go, let's try in a, a witchcraft village about eight kilometers away. So we started another one there. Same effect. They're just, they're just coming to the Lord. and It's very organic. You know, the verses like a yeah. child shall lead them. Yeah. Or unless you become like a child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, it's working. So and, good. And it's, it's, it's not, it's just, it's organic. So, so I, I love it.
0: I love this. So, I mean, there's 22 churches planted. There's, the list is on your website. It's I the letter I reach Africa Is that correct? Yes.
1: I reach Africa.org.
0: Okay. So let's just jump in. I mean, so here we've got a single woman turns up for two weeks in Mozambique. You're a physician's assistant. And that was 20 odd years ago. And now there's you know, more than seven thousand. Like, just the numbers are unbelievable. But who do you think you are to go and oh, believe that I this I still kind wonder. Of could and
1: just because in the natural, Andy, I am so disqualified uh, to be a a missionary. I have, I'm terrible at learning languages. I travel a lot. I've worked in sixty five countries now over the years. I get lost everywhere I go. I I throw up on planes trains but I get motion I just don't have the natural qualities
0: <laughs> but I
1: do have a, a, just a rabid love for Jesus yeah and I said I'll follow you wherever you go and then others uh, joined me along the way and we it, I I wasn't seeking to start anything it just kind of is kind of like. You know, a guy and a girl fall in love, they get married, and all of a sudden these kids start popping up. And where did they come from? You didn't even plan it. Yeah. And so staff started popping up, and, and each with their skills and abilities and uh, their zeal, their anointings and, and giftings, and fruit just started happening.
0: So, I, I mean, I love a couple of things. One, there's just your willingness, just this courage to go. You just believe God. And I love that, John 14 which says that um, very truly, I say to you, Jesus saying, he who believes in me, the works that I do, they will do also and greater works. And you walk that out. You just live that out. But tell us, you mentioned milk powder that you go down to South Africa. This is stories in the book here too. tell us the story about uh, you getting powder coming back and following the bus that flips up and what happened.
1: Oh my gosh, uh, I think I know the one you're talking about. Uh, I was uh, on the highway in South Africa, following a, 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 a mini bus that was moving you know, migrant farm workers and taking them home. I am about an hour away from the Mozambican border, and we're going uh, about yeah, we're going fast. 60 miles an hour I was at 100 kilometers an hour and they got a flat or something and rolled and flipped and the first thing i saw i'm right behind it the first thing i saw was two women they had babies in their arms they were in the front seat just shoot through the windscreen and land on the ground and tumble 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 people were going out the windows and the vehicle kept rolling and finally comes to a stop very busy highway a lot of people stopped to help but i have um, a white Land Rover with and with red duct tape. I put a cross on it to help me get through the border without <laughs> complications. And I have a an ambulance uniform, but there's not a band-aid in the vehicle. Yeah, I mean I was just trying to you know because you go through the border and they want bribes and such. And I won't pay bribes, so I thought maybe that would help. <laughs> so people think I'm an ambulance and they're looking to me for direction. And I'm I, Andy. Honestly, I just went into medical mode and. I sent people up on both sides of the road to block traffic and to call. So um, so I'm triaging. And the first Afrikaans woman that came, like, how can I help? But no one wants to touch the patients because they're bleeding and they're afraid of AIDS and such. And there's not a lot you can do to help uh, an accident victim if you don't touch them. So I just said, do you believe in God? Yes. Sit here. Just pray that God... Uh, Spares lives today. I wasn't, honestly, I wasn't even thinking of a miracle because I'm in medical mode and I'm just triaging. Well, uh, a few minutes later, she yells at me across, oh, I'm about 20, 30 feet away, and says, Sister, come over here and help this woman. I go, No, that woman's dead. She was laying on her back. Her head was turned around. Her eyeball was out on its cheek. No pulse, no respiration. And I said, she's dead, and I've got all these others to look after. And she goes, no, she's breathing again. Just then, the woman sits up. Now, I had thrown a a jacket Uh, over her head. Hang on. Just
0: just so people realize, I'm talking to a a Stanford-trained physician's Mm -hmm. assistant. I'm not just talking about to anybody. So you have checked. You've done what you need to do. This woman is dead
1: yeah her neck's broken she's laying on her back but her face is in the dirt
0: yeah this is okay
1: and um and she sat up freaked us all out everyone starts screaming and many running you know and it freaked me out too i kind of tiptoed over to her and i pulled the jacket off her head and jumped back and um, her eyeball was back in its socket and she was coughing up some blood but she was alive again
0: so, and people
1: like, pray for your patients. Now,
0: now we're gonna pray.
1: Pray. And people started praying, and people just started getting healed. It was like popcorn. And it was a significant uh event for I mean, I've Andy, I've prayed for so many dead people who have not raised up again. And the one I don't pray for sits up. I don't get it. If there's a formula, I I, I don't know it. Uh but it was a time when I had been really discouraged because I had been praying for a lot of people and just not seeing much. And or seen fake stuff like it's hot. Someone passes out and the crowd goes, oh, they died. And as soon as they're prone, the blood rushes to their head and they wake up. Oh, they're raised to life again. Yeah, I saw no. a lot of phony stuff. So I was discouraged. But this woman, she was dead, dead. And then others were just getting healed. We had five uh, traumatic uh, head injuries, five unconscious patients. They all woke up. And and they have cell phones and they're calling their family to come pick them up. Before the ambulance got there, most of them had already left.
0: Oh my so gosh. So um... that
1: That was just a wild. And then I get to the border. I'm late and I have blood all down the front of me. And they go, Oh, are you okay? And I go, Yeah, it's not my blood. There was just an accident. And they go, You may go, man. You may go. And they ushered me through <laughs> with my hundreds of pounds, no, thousands, about 2,000 pounds of milk. And yeah, so that, and I make the, I was making these runs about every month to South Africa. Now we're able to buy it locally. So it's not as arduous.
0: So in all that you've done, how important is the power of God?
1: It's, it's vital, but I like to define it if I may, because um, miracles, power, um, people have different ideas on what that looks like. When we say power, we often think of forcing our strength or our our will upon another. And the miracles are just a byproduct of simply staying close to Jesus. And the focus is is walking with him. And then he begins to invade our natural world and our natural lives in, in miraculous ways. And I actually just shy away from words now like miracles and powers and the supernatural and um, I just want more of Jesus. But the realm of heaven uh, is different than the realm of earth. And as it's import, we import heaven into earth. Supernatural things do happen. But the power that I love most, Andy, is is just a supernatural displays of love, and, and compassion, and the and that's the root of the power. It so says Jesus looked on the crowds, he had compassion on them. And then it's the food multiplying and the sick being healed. So I, I know a lot of people seek power for power's sake or miracles for miracle's sake. And instead of just seeking him for his own sake. So yeah, I, I, the stories I like to tell are those, those supernatural demonstrations of love that change the heart and change a community.
0: So tell us one of those stories.
1: Oh, well, let me break on someone else for a little bit. Her name was Becky. And uh, you know that book, The Five Love Languages? Yeah. Well, Becky was fluent in them all, whether it's gifts or words of affirmation or acts of service or quality time or, or physical affection. She was about 58 years old when she came out to us and a fairly young Christian from a horrible past, but just fully, just full of Jesus and leaking Jesus on everyone she went. So she comes to Mozambique, doesn't know a word of the language, doesn't know the culture, and we drive into this uh, extremely poor village. and And the village leaders come out to meet us and say, "Hey, again, they see the the red duct tape on my door. Yeah, yeah. So we have a woman, and she's really sick. Can you help her?" So, and again, I had no medical supplies at the time, but we go and we're white and strangers. So the whole village comes to watch. Well, as we're approaching her little grass shack, the stench was overwhelming. There's a cloud of flies over it. And we we get in there. She was laying on a dirt floor, semi-conscious. She only had a a kapalana around her, um, um, a sarong-like. Yeah. and it was stiff with feces and urine. Uh, she was dying. And so Becky and I go like, wow, look at all these people. Let's pray for her. She'll get healed, and and they'll come to Christ. So we pray for her, and nothing happens. And we pray again, nothing happens. Now, Mozambicans, a lot of them are afraid of dead uh, spirits. Okay. They don't want someone dying unhappy because they think they'll then haunt them in the village thereafter, and uh, so often they'll take someone dying to a hospital or somewhere else where they die somewhere else.
0: Okay. Now,
1: honestly, everyone mostly dies unhappy. You're in pain. You're scared. So they say, "Hey, uh, you have this truck, and there's a town about an hour's drive from here. Will you drive her to the hospital?" And since she wasn't getting better. We said, yeah, we can do that. Now I'm thinking, how do we pick her up and get her in the truck? And she's going to get diarrhea on everything. But Becky doesn't think that way. She just grabs the lady up in her arms. The woman was emaciated. She just weighed a feather and she carries her to the truck with diarrhea, just running down the front of Becky. And as she, she starts to put the woman in the back of the, the truck, but it's a bumpy road and the woman was in pain and she was groaning. So, so Becky gets in the trunk and has the woman sat on her lap wow. uh, to cushion her on the trip with her own body. And the woman was, her head was laying against Becky's shoulder and she gives her a drink. Now this is a white woman reaching out to a black woman with all of the white, black issues that you can imagine in Africa or anywhere. And and Becky's just kissing her on the cheek and stroking her hair and singing a song in her ear. And the villagers were just amazed at this radical display of generous love. And they begin to get it, Andy. One says, wait. And she runs to her hut and she brings a blanket for the woman. Another runs to her hut and brings some food. And then they all climb on the vehicle. I mean, there were people hanging onto the people hanging onto the vehicle. Wow. It was like a big ball with four wheels under it. And I drove very carefully all the way back to the city. And when we got there, um, they admitted uh, the woman and they designated three women from the village to look after her. Now, she didn't get healed. She died three days later, but she died between sheets and she died in someone's arms and she was clean. She died in dignity. Um, and that is the kind of miracle I love. I, I love the miracle of, of Mary with the alabaster vial just pouring it out on Jesus. And Jesus and the disciples criticized her for her extravagant and generous display of just unbridled love. And, and Jesus said, wherever the gospel goes in the world, this story will go with it. He didn't say that of raising the dead or feeding the hungry or healing the sick. Uh, It's, it's love, it's compassion. It's demonstrating the heart of Jesus, not just his hand and what he can give us or what we can get from him. So I really look for those um, radical displays of generous love uh, from the heart. That so, changes lives. And when yeah. I see people come to Christ, when I learn about their testimonies, those whose hearts were touched in a way like that, they don't backslide. There's no going back there. They're changed forever. If it's just an intellectual ascent, if you could be talked into the gospel, you could be talked out of the gospel.
0: Yeah. I love this. And, and I mean, it's interesting you say that because I've seen people experience the power of God. And that doesn't, that doesn't. They just come back for more. Yeah. Jesus was the same. Yeah. Give me another one. Give me another one. Yeah. But people experience genuine love, yeah. that change. That actually changes the life, and it's stick. It's that sticky, sticky love. <laughs> That's so, the
1: way of putting
0: it. I mean, I love this. It, it's such a just a recenter for me personally, as I, I know what it is to serve and serve from love, and I want to see a greater measure of power. And you just keep reminding me get back to the basics. Miracles are a byproduct of walking close to Jesus, get close to Jesus. Um, And love is more important than power. If I see a demonstration of power, if I see, you know, like you said, just profound, you've also got stories in the book of, you know, a gun being pointing at your face and nothing happens. Like literally that's, and it freaks them out because they know they loaded everything correctly. And, Yeah, that that kind of thing changes life, but it's literally the love that remains. So is there, I think this is in the context though of, there's so many people that I know that would say that they're connected to Jesus, that say that they love people, but they're not experiencing anything else because they lack um, or we lack crossing the chicken line of actually, you just continually Mm -hmm. live in a place where, the need is so much greater than your own ability to meet it. You are continually forced to lean on to God. So can you just talk a little bit about that? Of, And yeah. you, you say this and tie this into Jesus didn't say pray for more miracles. He said, pray for the laborers. Talk to me about that and how a part of what you do in seeing this consistent demonstration of the love and power of God is because you place yourself where your own ability you you said at the start you were disqualified
1: exactly it's and and that's it i want to see the not just the theology of god but the reality of god in my life and in my relationships and in my work and i mean i worked at a clinic here in reading for and i you know i did what all pas do i was treating runny noses and hemorrhoids and all that but when i go overseas because of the desperation i can save lives all the time i can impact entire villages i simply cannot do that in a first world environment um and, and we you know of course we need doctors here but i guess we create an infrastructure um, so uh, so that we don't need god yeah we got our bank account we have our nest egg we have our health insurance we have our our financial portfolio our 401k and so i deliberately uh put myself in an environment where if god doesn't come through i'm toast and and eventually you know i'll, I'll age out or the snake or the bullet's going to get me and and i still win so yeah we're all terminal right
0: <laughs> so talk, so i'm like so <laughs> plug this like this is just perfect if if you're listening or watching this and, and you're looking after runny noses and the same you could actually be saving lives. I'm not saying that the runny nose is not important, but just that right. same gift of your life could be multiplied a thousand times over and more important than actually accomplishing something. It's actually the journey of faith. Yes. Um, and you actually, don't want to
1: go overseas to do that. That's and it. there are homeless in your town. Who's that scary person that so,
0: is so on provoke that border? me. So huh? Tracy, provoke me, like provoke yeah, yeah. me of those There's... listening to how would you take somebody that is a comfortable follower of Jesus and provoke them into engaging in the well-being of their neighbor, their city, their community, or overseas? It doesn't have to be.
1: It's just getting uh, ourselves out of our comfort zone. Because our comfort zone, I mean, we all need comfort or, uh, comfort, but... God actually provided that for us. His name is the Holy Spirit. He is the Comforter. Yeah. And but we tend to want comfort from other sources, from from entertainment, from you know ease, from financial security, which is an illusion. There is no such thing as financial security. It, it, this world's currency, it's all fiat. It's all fake. And and so it's just putting ourselves in. And the way of someone that is desperate and seeking in the homeless or everywhere, the poor are everywhere, they're not just in Asia or Africa. And, or uh, really digging in and partnering with someone who maybe you can't go because of age or health or whatever, just partnering with, with, so, like I'm, I'm single. I've never married. I don't have kids. I am not honestly, I am not a baby person. And so how did I end up, saving 8,000 babies, seven thousand yeah, yeah. babies i partnered with someone who was this gal was uh, had a very maternal heart and she was a nurse and um, she had that gifting but she couldn't uh, buy the land build the clinic uh, hassle with the government officials to get it all legal and t- but together we were able to save all these children whereas individually even with our combined efforts individually it would not have worked so I actually, I, I have a heart for Afghanistan. I doubt that I'll ever get there, but I know missionaries who are there. So I'm a missionary that's supporting missionaries yeah. in places I, I want to have an impact. And maybe, you know, the story about David and the baggage keepers, you know, the army went forward yeah, yeah. And, and some were tired, and, but they, they held ground and they watched their, they were the rear guard and the baggage keepers. Well, they receive a reward too. Yeah, And so, so I'm not always the point of the arrow. Sometimes I'm the tail feathers on that arrow. Yeah. But that arrow is not going to fly without those tail feathers.
0: Yeah, I love this. So a so, lot of
1: my life now, I, I can't think of anything I'm doing that is not in partnership with someone else that has the gifts and anointing that I don't have.
0: Yeah. So good. So I started this off with the intent to really ruin people from average life. And let's go after the power of God. You've recentered it on. No, it's actually a life laid down and surrender and connection with Jesus. And the fruit of that is the power. But really, the greatest of these is love. Three key questions I'm hearing is is for the, those of you listening, watching. Number one is where have you built infrastructure of false comfort around your life? Whether there's a bank about a bank account, bank balance, uh, whatever it may be, whether it's Fake medication. Number two, uh, what is God inviting you into? I think that's that is crazy exciting. And number three, what are you going to do? What will you do as a result of this, Tracy? uh, I know that you guys are wide open for people to join, jump in, and like if people are listening to this, they can actually get trained, equipped, and deployed with you to do and be a part of your team. So number one there. Number two you need people personally, my wife and I and our family have supported you. And I just think it's one of the most fruitful investments of what we've got to do because of the life changes as a result. And I get to, I know you, I watch you, I see you. It's like, you're the real deal. So number one, if I want to say, I'm in, sign me up. I want to be a part of this. And I want to like, like step into a life, crazy life. Like Tracy, how do I do that? And then number two, how do I support you financially?
1: Okay, uh, the easiest way is to go to our website, iReachAfrica.org and look at the icon you like and push it. And it has all the information about our different programs or how to get involved or how to apply it. We are not presently taking short-termers. Um, uh, just in some places, those work really well, like Zimbabwe, because Zimbabwe speaks English. They're trained in Western ways or bicultural. Mozambique, we're working with, a very uh, primitive tribal uh, communities. And uh, I take short-termers in other places, but but not in Mozambique, but we do need long-termers that will come learn Portuguese. We'll put you through Portuguese school on site. You live with us in a a community of missionaries and our Mozambican staff. And we do life together. It's very uh, grassroots, but it's very fruitful. So you can apply online uh, through our website and, or you can partner with us. I also feature our, our missionaries there. If you want to support a missionary directly, you can do that. Or you can support their programs. A lot of people support the programs. They want to buy milk, but they won't support the nurse who's working there for free and risking the snakes and malaria and all that. And if, without the people, we don't have a program. Yeah. And um, so you just, and just pray and say, God, how, how can I participate in this? And he will direct you.
0: So good. Tracy, could you just wrap this up by just praying for those that are listening, wherever you feel led?
1: Sure, sure thing. Uh, Father, I I just want to begin with thanking you for the opportunities you've given me and opening my eyes to to see uh, the fruitful fields and to deploy me as a laborer in, in this vast harvest. And I pray for all those listening that you will, by your Holy Spirit, just help open their eyes too to see whatever they're doing, how they can in the future believe and engage and activate right in their own neighborhoods or businesses or schools, uh, that they would see the needs around them and, and grow in courage in, in reaching out. And we're all afraid of being rejected and you reach out to a neighbor and and they spurn you or reject you. But Lord, um, I think one of the greatest gifts of the Holy Spirit is boldness and yeah. courage. And that we will make a stand and boldly declare uh, who we are and whose we are. And, and finding keys to reach into the lives of those around us to unlock them and help them to, to step into a living, active, uh, breathing relationship with you. Just bless yeah. us all as, as we, we go beyond ourselves and our own uh, needs and wants and desires and comforts and such to, uh, to share the love that you freely gave us yeah. at great cost to yourself that we would uh, be willing to just reach out into the others, other lives too and bless them. In your name, mm-hmm. Jesus amen
0: amen thank you so much tracy
1: forth and multiply be fruitful
0: Uh, absolutely for those you're watching grab a copy of the book off amazon that helps support what tracy is doing and i guarantee you you will not be the same by the time you finish the book full of stories so tracy really appreciate it thank you
1: thank you